0: my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it.
1: Hello, Melissa. How are you doing today?
0: I am going to do my best to, <laughs> <laughs> to be like making sense during this episode today. It's just been a crazy few weeks. And yeah, I keep saying this in every like podcast, I feel like, but I'm getting married in like two and a half, three weeks. And so I'm my brain is not functioning well lately.
1: Well, you have a good excuse and I feel you. It's crazy right now at work. Yeah which, you know, not bad things. It's just so funny. I was going to say, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. There's such seasons Mm -hmm. in our job and in deliverability. And I feel like there have been times where it's so slow that I'm like, what are we doing? Like, I remember having a one-on-one with Nathan where I was like, I feel like, you know, everything's good. Everything's in place. Like, I don't know what to be doing. And he was like, talking you through. It was like, you know, you're just so used to sprinting all the time mm-hmm. and everything's good. You're just kind of walking and it feels weird. And we're definitely back in mm-hmm. a sprint. And it's not that anything is wrong, but it's just that there's so much going on, yeah. so many opportunities and projects mm-hmm. and you and I are just running around like crazy. Yeah.
0: I'm definitely uh, feeling the... Uh, the tax on my brain, for sure. Mm-hmm. I sh- I told you earlier. I showed up to my dentist appointment an hour early, which I never do. I never get appointment times wrong, and lately, yeah, it's like all I can do just to remember small details. So,
1: yeah, yeah, that's when you know. I think it was like last month. I showed up for a hair appointment, and I was a month early. <laughs> And I've, like you said, that's, I've never done that. Yeah. That is so not me. Yeah. So we need a vacation. I'm glad you're going to go on a honeymoon soon.
0: I know that will be good because it will be after everything is over. And so Mm -hmm. I'm just like hoping I don't get, I have really bad allergies right now. I'm hoping that I don't get sick. Like that's my biggest fear is like getting sick because I'm so stressed, you know, for the wedding or the height. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but I hope not. (sighs) Yeah. So bear with us during this episode in case words aren't (laughs) easy. I know. I feel so bad for everyone listening. (laughs) It's like
1: you need us to do one thing and it's to speak clearly and communicate clearly. And I really hope we're able to deliver on that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, But today we're going to talk about some frequently asked questions we're seeing, especially lately. And that is people emailing us these questions Some of these have been replies to my newsletter. Some of these have been questions we've received in the support queue. So we picked five that we're really seeing pop up a lot here lately. We're going to talk about them. And maybe you have these questions too. Maybe they resonate. But if you do have a question and we haven't covered it in this episode, please feel free to email us. And we'd love to talk about it in a future episode. Again, my email is Alyssa at ConvertKit.com. And Melissa's is Melissa at Kimberkid.com. So feel free to email us anytime with your questions that you want us to talk about. You could also leave us a five-star review and put your question in the five-star review. That'd be good. And that way it's, you know, it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So let's start with the first one, which I do now that we are talking about it. I think I've seen this come up like a few times Mm -hmm. in the last week or so. So the question is, are clicks impacted by Apple mail privacy protection. Would you like to start on this one, Melissa, or do you want me to talk through it?
0: Why don't you start us off so I don't start us (laughs) and try to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um,
1: So from everything I know about Apple, you know, Apple mail privacy protection, no, clicks are not impacted in the like traditional way we talk about the Apple Mail changes that happened. So let's go back to what changed with Apple. I believe it was like September 2021.
0: I don't know. It's all a time warp at this point.
1: 2022? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Years are crazy. I know. <laughs> so back when all the Apple stuff happened, we definitely have an episode about it. Apple Mail started automatically loading any open pixels that exist in an email if someone opted into that privacy protection. And that's anyone using the Apple Mail app on their laptop, on their phone, on their watch. I don't know if people do that, but you know. And the opt-in process is basically if you're an Apple Mail app user, there was one time you saw this message pop up and it was like, do you want to protect your privacy? And it was very scary. It was basically like, yes, protect my privacy or no, share all my information. Yeah, That's not obviously what the words say, but that's kind of how it it felt was you know, portrayed. Yeah. So a lot of people opted into that privacy protection who use Apple. And if they did, it means that if they receive an email in their Apple Mail app, Apple will load the open tracking pixel or any kind of tracking pixel, even if the person didn't open the message. So another question I've seen alongside this is like, my open rates dropped. Is it because of Apple? (laughs) Or I really want to clean my list, but I'm afraid that a bunch Mm -hmm. of people are going to look like they've never opened because of the Apple problem. I saw that one like Mm -hmm. two weeks ago. So let's clarify. This Apple update, it makes people look like they are opening, even if they're not it doesn't block opens. So that's what a lot of people are concerned about is that their engaged subscribers will look like they're not opening emails, but it's actually the opposite that could be happening. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing to keep in mind. But as we've said on this podcast, from all the testing that others in the industry have done, it looks like Apple will not load pixels if the emails are going to the spam folder. Mm -hmm. So that's at least a nice signal. If you are seeing a big boost in open rates because of the Apple mail stuff, at least it's a signal that your emails are going to the inbox, um, even if they're not being opened. So the main question we were trying to answer here is, well, are clicks impacted at all? Not by what we just talked about. So Apple didn't come out and say that they're changing anything with clicks. Mm -hmm. Does that mean Apple is not automatically clicking things? No, they might be. Mm -hmm. A lot more mailbox providers are starting to click, automatically click things Mm -hmm. to check reputation and to keep their users safe. From what I've seen, it kind of fluctuates. It's not like a hard and fast rule. Some mailbox providers will start auto-clicking and then they kind of stop for a while. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it'll depend on the sender's domain reputation. It might depend on the content of the message. Mm -hmm. If something in the content looks spammy, they might go ahead and automatically click those links. But from everything Apple has put out about how their privacy protection works, clicks are not impacted by that. But again, Apple can't, they might be automatically clicking some of your links, but it's um, for a separate reason.
0: Mm -hmm. That was very comprehensive and good. I I have nothing to add. (laughs) It was very, (laughs) oh, I'm so glad. (laughs) Yeah, that was good. I think it's easy to overthink a lot of these things too. Like, Unless, tell me if I'm wrong, I can't think of anything that's happened in the last couple years, like since this, where we would advise someone to just completely change best practices of deliverability. So like, I think a lot of people kind of have panicked about some of the things that have changed, you know, with Apple. None of the things, at least for us, none of the things that have changed have changed our recommendations about what we would consider best practices for deliverability. So while there might be some adjustments that you can make based on what has changed with Apple, like we still say, you know, opens can be a good metric to look at just in case there is a deliverability issue. Like nothing, none of those things are like drastically different than they were prior to the privacy policy changes. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: I think you're saying like, you can like keep calm and carry on.
0: Yes. Don't yeah. overthink it. Don't overthink like the all of the advice that we've given on all of our other episodes, I think for the most part are still still stand true. They still can help you improve your deliverability that kind of thing and just try not to overthink every detail in regards to this, you know, this change. So, hopefully that's helpful.
1: Yeah. I think so. And if I think the root the root of this question, if someone's asking are my clicks being impacted by the Apple privacy protection? Mm -hmm. What they're saying is, my clicks seem off. Mm. And they're trying to do the investigation piece on their own, which is natural. We see that a lot. Customers kind of come to us with what they think is happening. So we definitely have episodes on this too, but I think it might have been a while. So let's talk a little bit. I won't go too much in the weeds about what to do if you do think your clicks are way inflated, which we definitely see happen from time to time. So that's what we call non-human interactions. It's when basically the mailbox provider's are going through your email and they're automatically clicking some or all links in your message. And they're doing that to check the links for safety, to make sure they're not a phishing link, a malicious link, something like that. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that goes into this. This happens more regularly if your subscriber is a a B two B email address, especially like a .edu address, a .gov address, mm-hmm. any type of email address that's going to have extreme security because they're dealing with a more sensitive population, like students and teachers, or you know military personnel. Like they have stricter security, so um, they are definitely way more likely to automatically click links. So that's something um, we have a lot of creators who email teachers, students, people like that. So that's something you'll have to just know is sort of the reality of sending emails to those people. Right. But then also like Gmail and a lot of other clients do some automatic clicking. Sometimes with Gmail, it's actually so that people can Mm. load their emails faster. I noticed that I have a Gmail address that I use on my phone a lot. It's connected to an app on my phone, the Gmail app. Then I have another Gmail address that's not connected to my phone in the app. And if I send an email to the one connected to my app, it's more likely to have automatic... Oh, this is actually opens that I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's interesting. But still similar. Right. Just to show the, the nuances. It's more likely to automatically open because they want my app experience to be good right. and for images to load quickly. But they also can automatically click mm-hmm. every now and then. And that can be if they're concerned about your domain reputation, the reputation of the link that you're... That you're adding, which goes into our next question really nicely. I was going to say, that's a very
0: good segue. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So just a few recommendations we give to reduce automatic clicks. One, always use HTTPS links, not HTTP links. Mm -hmm. Two, you know, keep your sender reputation healthy. Make sure you're cleaning your list, sending to engaged subscribers. Three, encourage replies to your emails. Yeah. That's always helpful. For pay attention to the content of your message. Make sure that it doesn't look spammy, that the links in your emails are not suspicious. And with that, Melissa, do you want to tell us the next question that we're gonna talk about?
0: So the next question that we see relatively often is: should you use bitly links in emails? Bitly, if you don't know, is a link shortener, you can essentially like attach your like whatever URL you're trying to send your subscribers to in that link. Does Bitly track certain things too? I think they do. I don't remember. I know there's all different, there's tons of link shorteners out there, but Bitly is just a really popular one. So we see people use them for different reasons, but they're also, they don't have a great reputation. A lot of, we see a lot of spammers use Bitly links. And so, you know, anytime you're using any sort of link, including your own like URL to your website, that is domain reputation follows it in the message. So, you know, we say when someone asks, like, sh- you know, can I use a Bitly link? It's not like it's illegal to, <laughs> to use a Bitly link. We just highly discourage it because there are so many things that can, you know, it can impact your deliverability. So for example, um, we saw at one point in time, I don't know if it's still happening as much, but Gmail was bouncing every message almost that I saw mm-hmm. of those who were using a Bitly link in their email that's not good for anyone. You obviously don't want that to happen. And I do see as far as like trying to reduce automatic clicks, using something like Bitly is not going to help you do that. In fact, it's probably just going to increase your chances of having automatic clicks in your email because it's not a trusted domain. Like I said, there's a lot of spammers out there who use Bitly links. They're just not, their domain reputation is not great.
1: One thing I was going to say with the Gmail bouncing, mm-hmm. if your email contains a Bitly link, it's something we see happen like mm-hmm. intermittently, intermittently. So I think what's happening is if Bitly runs into a reputation issue, then Gmail starts bouncing any message that has a Bitly link. Oh, yeah. And then mm-hmm. once Bitly like improves the reputation, that stops. So just so you know, that's yeah what we see
0: every now and then. So for that reason, I would not use that in my email. Yeah. So our next question is, should I use a VSD? And for those of you who may not know, a VSD at ConvertKit is a verified sending domain. This is kind of a, it's funny, I actually just answered this question for a potential customer coming over to ConvertKit. Verifying your domain can be helpful for various reasons. There's the one side of things, which is the like authentication technical backend side of the message. At ConvertKit, if you have a strict DMARC record on your domain, you will want to set up a VSD in order to properly authenticate your emails. So that's just something that Yeah, you'll have to do or else it's possible that your messages will bounce or go to the spam folder. So you'll want to, if you need help, you know, figuring out what your DMARC record is, you can always reach out to us. That's something I do a lot for new customers is check on their their settings on their domain and make sure that all of their things in ConvertKit align and that their messages are authenticated properly. So that's a technical reason why you would want a VSD setup in ConvertKit Some other reasons that people like to use a VSD is to just use their domain in more places in the message. So if I send a message from ConvertKit and I'm using my domain, but I do not have a VSD set up, it's likely you'll see like ConvertKit's domain somewhere in the message. So sometimes you'll see like via, you know, my domain via ConvertKit, there'll be a ConvertKit domain there. So instead of seeing that, some people really want their branding to look more specific to their domain instead of having ConvertKit's domain there too. Yeah. Anything else for like verified sending domain that you can think of? I was just thinking what I, the advice I normally
1: give to people if they are trying to decide whether it's a good fit for them is, Mm -hmm.
0: it's all about, can
1: you handle the reputation of the emails on your own? Mm -hmm. Or do you need ConvertKit to help you when it comes to getting into the inbox? So what I mean by that is like, volume-wise... And also Mm reputation-wise, do you have a strong enough reputation and do you send frequently enough to enough people to where if the message is coming from just your domain, Gmail and Microsoft and Yahoo are going to be like, okay, cool, Mm -hmm. we know this person, we trust this person, come on in. Or are you going to be helped by the boost of having ConvertKit's domain in the background? So some examples of when I've seen people have actually worse deliverability with a verified sending domain Mm -hmm. is a large sender who had pretty low open rates. I think they were like around 15%. That was when they had a verified sending domain. When I had them remove their verified sending domain, their open rates shot up to like 30%. -hmm. So it was just that their (laughs) domain reputation was so bad that it was hurting their deliverability when the message relied on them. Obviously, they needed to get to that root issue as well, even though their open rates increased, which they did. But right. that's one thing to keep in mind. And then another thing I've seen every now and then is just if someone doesn't send frequently enough mm-hmm. and they have a verified sending domain, even if they have great open rates, usually and you know have a really great list, if you're sending less than once a month, it seems like using a verified sending domain is worse for your deliverability, because mm-hmm. Gmail, Microsoft, Yahoo, all the mailbox providers, they don't have enough data to go off of to give you a solid reputation. And they don't know what to do with your mail because they just don't see volume from you frequently enough. And in those cases, using ConvertKit in the background is usually beneficial. If so if you don't match either of those criteria and you, you, know, you send regularly, like once a week or once every two weeks at least and you have great open rates, you have a great reputation from what you can tell, then I would say go ahead and try out a verified sending domain.
0: And it's very easy to remove. That's one thing that some people, I think it seems kind of scary and um, like it's gonna cause problems for you down the road. You can add a VSD pretty easily. And then if you're monitoring your metrics and you're not happy with the results you're getting because of VSD, because we don't, you know, We've said this further. Well, actually, we'll get into this. So I'm not going to go there. But there's not like a deliverability score or reputation we can show you to say, oh, yeah, you have a great reputation. Like, you, this is your deliverability score. Go ahead and set up a VSD. Sometimes it just takes trying the VSD and seeing what your your metrics look like. And again, if you're not happy with that, you simply remove the VSD. It's not yeah. like you're going to cause yourself a lot of problems from trying that out. Exactly. I like that. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. Cool. Um, so the next question that we get quite a bit is about DMARC and should I set up a DMARC record? So a couple of things, if you don't know, DMARC is a security setting that you can place on your domain. There are three levels of DMARC. The first one is P equals none. The second is P equals... Quarantine. Quarantine. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you <laughs> The third is... I had to like think about that. I was like, that's right, right? P equals reject is the third. So they they go up in severity... For each level of just the strictness of the DMARC policy, they are what they sound like. P equals none means that nothing will happen to the message if you fail DMARC. The middle one, quarantine, means your message will go to spam. And the third one, the message will be rejected, which means it will bounce. That is DMARC. It is meant to help keep your domain safe from spoofing and... Just to clarify, that's not a setting that you can adjust within ConvertKit. That's sometimes a little bit confusing for people, even though we've talked about, you know, verified sending domains and stuff alongside DMARC. DMARC is a setting you will have to change in your domain host settings. And as far as setting it up, I think there are a few things that are factors. Alyssa, do you want to kind of jump into those? Yeah, it's kind of similar to what we just talked about with the verified sending domain, but mm-hmm. it's
1: even more tricky. I was just emailing with someone about this today. So with the verified sending domain, only your convert kit mail is impacted by that change. So with DMARC, it's different because your mail... This doesn't just have to do with ConvertKit. Mm -hmm. DMARC is wide-reaching outside of ConvertKit. It's going to affect any mail you send with your domain. So that's why we have to be careful about what we recommend you and just, yeah, giving you all the information you need. Because if you set up DMARC, you're like, oh, I listen to this podcast. I want to go set up DMARC there's a good chance you'll start seeing your messages bounce that you send like out from your Gmail account and all sorts of places. So if you want to set up DMARC, just make sure you have a good grasp on what you need to do in every single place where your emails get sent out. So one cool thing about DMARC is that three levels that Melissa talked about. So if you're going to set up DMARC, start with P equals none. And DMARC is going to send you emails to report to you which messages of yours are failing DMARC. So in that first initial stage, you want to look through those reports and be like, okay, I have emails coming out of HubSpot, for example, and they're failing DMARC. So I need to go into HubSpot, verify my domain, blah, 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 do what you're supposed to do. And then make sure those messages are passing DMARC. And you're like, okay, now I have a G Suite address those right now are failing DMARC. I've got to do whatever authentication I need to do in G Suite Mm -hmm. and so on. And then you might go on us and see, oh, I didn't send that message. That's really spammy. In the future, DMARC will stop those messages once you're able to move Mm -hmm. up to the next level of P equals quarantine. But um, that's the main thing is if you're going to set up DMARC, you have to be sure that you are passing DMARC. Anywhere that you send mail. Mm-hmm. So it's a big decision. It's a big thing to do potentially, depending on how much mail you're sending and where you're sending it from. Right. So I would just say start with P equals none. Once you've made sure all the, you know, all the messages you're sending and you want to be sending are passing DMARC perfectly, then you can move up to P equals quarantine and that will protect your domain reputation if spammers start trying to send from your domain and then if p equals quarantine looks good for a bit you can move up to p equals reject and then Mm -hmm. no you know spammer can send messages from your domain they should get blocked
0: right yeah it sounds very overwhelming i think and every time i talk about it i'm like i hope that i'm delivering the information in a way that's under like that people can understand because i do know that it's very technical it is thing to talk about it's not fun but it's also not something that like senders should like be scared of or panic about like it's a choice it's definitely if you are a very large sender with a with a brand that's very recognizable it's probably something that's i would say and Alyssa mm-hmm. to tell me if i'm wrong like more important because it's possible that more spoofing would come from like a recognizable brand. Yeah. So if you are a large sender who has a very, you know, well-known brand or following, it might be in your best interest to really consider making sure you have the right security settings in place.
1: Yeah. And in case we didn't say this before, we might've, I, you know, brain, but, um, the whole purpose of DMARC is to stop people from being able to send messages from your domain and pretend to be you. Mm-hmm. And that does happen. So if you don't have DMARC in place, it's actually pretty easy to send emails from someone else's domain mm-hmm. and say like, Hey, I'm so-and-so click this link, you know, but if you have DMARC in place and you have set to a strict policy, like Melissa mentioned, then that will prevent those messages from being delivered successfully. So that is the main point of DMARC. Yes. If that's something you're not concerned about at all, then maybe you skip DMARC for now. Mm-hmm. Some questions I get are like, well, how do I know if that's happening to me? With the creators I've worked with, the main way they know this is happening to them is they start getting emails from people being like, stop spamming me, you know? And then yeah. you can see the me- the original message they received is like, Some not spamming from you. Yeah, crap. Yeah. And you're like, um, I never sent that, but it says it's from me. Right. So that's really the main way you're going to probably find out if someone is spoofing your domain.
0: Right. Cool. Well, our final question that we have is, and I get this a lot, (laughs) what is my deliverability reputation score? In short, there is no deliverability reputation score. There's no way to say, oh, you you know, you have a grade A, like you are doing great. And that's kind of why I feel like Alyssa and I have jobs is because there is no deliverability reputation score. There are so many facets of deliverability, so many small details that go into why an email may or may not be placed in the inbox. And I've mentioned this before, too, really recently, actually, that when you are sending from an ESP, it's a very symbiotic relationship most of the time. You want your ESP to have a good reputation, but we also want our senders to have a good reputation because we work together to be able to help each other, help everyone's emails go into the inbox. Like that's the ultimate like goal, right? Is, is to work together to both of us have a, good sender reputation and mailbox providers see ConvertKit and they know that we're a safe sender and they see your domain and they know you're a safe sender and we work together to be able to deliver those messages successfully and even further into the inbox. That's the goal. In order to find out why that wouldn't be happening, we have to dig deep into specific senders and what deliverability issues they might be having. And that that is why there is no overall reputation score because, first of all, I think there's a lot of information out there that is not public facing, and that's for security purposes. You know, Gmail is not going to tell us, oh, yeah, this sender that you that sends from ConvertKit, all of their messages go to the spam. They don't tell us specifically their reputation's not good. Their messages are going to the spam folder. It's up to us, and our job is to identify key factors that show us that that's happening. And we have to kind of follow the breadcrumbs to figure out why that is.
1: Yeah, I will say one point on the Gmail. They are the closest thing that you can have to probably a reputation score is their Google Postmaster tools. So yes, but like you said, Melissa, you and I don't typically have access. We have access to ConvertKit's Google Postmaster tools, which is really wonderful. We look at that every day and Mm -hmm. um, we can see a few
0: customers that We work with.
1: Right. Yeah. And so what that'll show you is your IP reputation and your domain reputation, which is huge. Mm -hmm. And it can be bad, low, medium, or high. What I've seen is that high and medium emails will usually still go to the inbox unless there's like something... Personal happening with like well for the subscriber it went to spam uh you know because they yeah. never engage or something like that right but once you get into low and bad that's when I've seen you know usually Gmail is sending those messages to the spam folder so mm-hmm. if you want to use uh, Google Postmaster tools and better understand your reputation if you're a ConvertKit customer you have to have a verified sending domain in place. If you're not a ConvertKit customer, basically your emails need to be sent with your domain in the background of the message, in the DKIM signature specifically. I know this is getting technical, but Mm -hmm. if you have a verified sitting domain set up, then you can set up your Google Postmaster Tools account. I would just Google Google Postmaster Tools and you'll find it. Mm -hmm. Enter your domain. They're going to ask you to add a DNS record to verify that you own that domain. And then you get to see IP reputation and domain reputation. Mm -hmm. You can also see things like spam rates. So how many of your messages were marked as spam, things like that. So I think that is a wonderful tool. One caveat, which goes into what you were saying, Melissa, I know plenty of senders who have high reputations at Gmail across the board. And their messages go to spam at Microsoft. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. there is no overarching, like there is a credit score. There is no reputation, deliverability score. We do see that question all the time. It's not possible. Every single mailbox provider has their own recipe, their own algorithms, and they Mm -hmm. act completely differently. But I would say the Gmail Postmaster Tools is still a great
0: place to go if you're
1: looking for a score like that and want to see how you can improve.
0: This is also a really good example, I feel like, to kind of round out just like, not to be discouraging about deliverability, but this is just like, should I use a VSD? Well, in order to set up, you know, Google Postmaster tools, you have to use a VSD. And so that's why whenever customers or, you know, potential customers come to me and ask like specific questions and I say, it depends. (laughs) I always joke around that that's like such a deliverability response. Like it depends. But I think that's where you get into the really nuanced situations that take an expert eye to be able to determine what is the best for you as a sender. And again, why well, Alyssa and I have jobs, but this is kind of a good like example of how these small pieces like individually might not be overwhelming, but how they all work together in order to help people be the best sender possible. It gets tricky. And so if you feel like deliverability is overwhelming or you just don't know where to start, Like, just know you're not alone. It's very understandable. Even if you know the basics of deliverability and you start to get into these other topics and it's really overwhelming, Like, I talk with customers every day on these sorts of topics. So feel free to always reach out to us, whether you're a customer or not, if you have questions about any of these things. Because as you progress in deliverability knowledge, it does get very nuanced. And There's not always an exact formula for what every sender should be doing.
1: Yes, so true. And it makes our jobs way harder. Yeah. (laughs) Every time I go to write a new newsletter, I'm like, uh, it depends. I say it depends so much because really everyone's situation is so unique. So that's important to keep in mind. But hopefully we can give some general information and then let you know, you know, which path you should go down. Right. Well, thank you all for listening. We're very glad you stick with us and you're here. I hope we're providing you value. But again, you can email us and tell us what you want, uh, what questions you have. And we can dedicate a whole episode to helping you. So let us know what we can do for you. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. Yes.
0: We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined.
1: Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review.
0: You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a
1: question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com deliverability. We'll see you next week.